I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another superfluous edition of uh, Do Luke and Brian Get Fired by a 24 yeah. Hours Upon Release? Jersey City Diaries. Is that what we call this? Yeah, show? we are in a Jersey City hotel, which, as you can see, is... Has all the amenities. Red Shoe Diaries 1.0 coming at you. Also a great Showtime show, by the way. Uh, how, but, how many times have you gotten bed bugs from being on the road? You know, I never have. I, at least not knowledgeable. Oh, you've definitely had bed bugs. I mean, so, how do you know if you have bed bugs? Do you have you waken up with like a constellation of bites around your ankles that are like they're, they're, oh, they're, yeah, they're you, kind of yeah. close to being like an ant bite, but not necessarily you know, as I, severe? I try to talk myself into thinking that maybe I weed whack too aggressively at home and, and it's just late, <laughs> it's late growing poison ivy or something, yeah. not this dirty hotel's fault. Look, do you know why this shirt came in so clutch right now? Because uh, it's clean? No, it's actually, it's not. But because I had uh, Thai for dinner and I spilled, you know, of course I like ate it while laying on the bed with my head on the pillow, like the wor- just the worst, right? Mm-hmm. Like the worst possible, you know, version of myself. And I spilled all over, but the viewers can't tell. They could spend the rest of this episode trying to decode what is Thai dye and what is Thai food. And um, yeah, I kind of backed myself into a corner with there. I didn't really have what, what was your order? Or anything. Um, pad Thai with chicken and two Thai iced teas, which are incredible. You get down with that? Those like uh, I don't do the iced teas. All right, they could change your life. A lot of sugar in them and cream, according to my wife, but they could change your life. You know? Do you like bubble tea? Yeah, I mean, it's gimmicky, but I enjoy it. I like bubble, like my daughter, loves oh, yeah. bubble tea. I don't think they had that shit when we were smaller, at least not no. in gringo places, no. right? No, I don't remember. Wait, is gringo tea. only identifiable with the Latina, Hispanic, or can, if I'm talking about the Chinese or the Koreans, am I a gringo in their eyes? So. Wait, to the, I don't understand. Where are you traveling and who like, are you Like, if I'm about? trying to pronounce a Spanish name, I would be like, well, here's my gringo version. Is yeah. It, but does it go beyond Spanish or is that Spanish only? Are you asking, can Americans be foreigners in places where they, people don't speak Spanish? Yes. Is there any other country or culture that they use a term like gringo? Oh, I think really the Brazilians do. The Brazilians okay. do. And then the Portuguese, I think, do as well. Um, so anything from the Iberian Peninsula that, and then their colonial... You ever want to go on vacation to like a real bullshit country and just figure out like what's going on in there, like Andorra? Dude, I never told you about this. Like Andorra, Andorra is the. It's that it's that place in the mountains between Spain and France. Yes, yes, uh, the principality, I think. Um, I don't know, actually. I don't think it is principality, but it's a real country. Luke. Yeah, hold on, you got me off track. The first time I tried to go to Lebanon, I just just did the absolute asshole thing where. I didn't properly check what I needed to do to get there. I thought I had, but I did a very lazy check, and it blew up in my face because... Did you pack weed? Is that what this no, is? No, 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 no. Um, 
you don't necessarily, you have to get a visa to go. And I thought it would be one of the situations where you, like, so for example, when you go to Turkey, and this is when I went, I don't know what it is anymore. You, you, we landed and like, you need a visa. I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do now? You just go buy them at the kiosk. Like it's literally, you just, it's like buying a Coke from a machine. You just can't believe it. They just spit out a visa. You're like, wow, okay. So I thought it'd be like that uh, for, I don't know, whatever reason. And it was not. So we get to the airport and um, they're like, there's no direct flights to Beirut, obviously, after uh, the Marine barracks got bombed. So one of the places you can go to to get there is Paris. So we had a flight to Paris and then Paris to Beirut. And they're like, listen, you can get on the flight to Paris. You just can't go to Beirut. And my wife was like, I was like, what the fuck are we going to do now? All the hotel reservations, everything. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are we going to do, dude? My wife is a corporate event planner. She's like, I'll take care of this. Dude, we had hotel, car service. In Paris. In Paris, all yeah. done. Everything set up by the time we got there. And, and my wife had like an itinerary planned. I couldn't, I was like, she got bitter at me because we didn't plan the wedding. But I didn't plan the wedding. And I'm like, what the fuck do you, <laughs> the fuck you want me to do? Like, I'm only going to get in the way, which is me being lazy. Yes. I'm admitting that. Like, I am definitely using that as an excuse. But it's also fucking true. Do you mark your territory around the house Dutch oven style to let her know of your male dominance? No, but I do like going to places where... People do that? No, where I can just pee on the seat. <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah. Um, or am I? Hey, you know what we did today? Uh, we hosted. We the, didn't uh, have sex. The, <laughs> well, this is still our viewers' dream, right? Uh, we hosted day one of this uh, two-day Spence Crawford tour. They <laughs> they were in LA. We were here in Jersey City. Tomorrow we'll be in Times Square with them. But um, yeah. you know that shit got me really excited about the fight. Like I obviously was already real excited about the fight, but like the pure fan in me was yeah. like, yo, this fight's going to be awesome. I don't even care like how popular it is or how far it crosses over. Just the night. That's the only thing that matters. These two in the ring. Hey, Tui, right? That. Uh, it's going to be. This going to be bang. Hey, how excited are you about going? I mean, that's not that's not a nice thing to bring up. It's not a nice gesture. No, my wife travels one week a year for work, so I certainly have um, committed to uh, always keeping that week and taking care of the animals and the kids and all that. So I won't be going, but I'll be, you know, I'll be working from home, Luke. So you better carry the water, okay? Mm. Carry the ball. Mm. There in Las Vegas in Sin City, who do you think they'll match you up with? I hope someone ridiculous, <laughs> like, like you and Takashi Six Nine breaking down the fight. That'd know? be sick. Yeah. Um, did you see him get his ass beat in an LA Fitness? I did not see that. Clip you didn't yet. see this? No, I didn't. This not. was not long ago, dude. This was like a month. I, I'm or not attracted two to ago. him. Like I don't follow his bullshit. You know no, know what I mean? I'm not either. But the dude, like, hardcore snitched. Right? And again. Snitches get stitches. Well, that's the thing, right? So he does all of this and you think, oh my God, like the amount of people he sold out to get out, surely it's, oh, it's curtains for him. And uh, That's and such he, an old guy phrase. I like that. Yeah, I know. It's, I, what am I at this point? Uh, you right over there? Got yeah, I was trying to find that. No, I keep spilling water because I'm a, you know, I'm a mess to the human race. I can't find the, t the uh, paper towel I had reserved. What I was going to say moment. was, the dude... Uh, then gets out of prison and goes on a taunting tour where he goes through the streets of New York, other cities, LA, blah, 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 touring, and then bragging about how, you know, here I am, come get me over and over again. And so finally, like, that, that didn't result in anything. He didn't get shot or whatever. He eventually ends up in an LA Fitness. I'm not sure what city it was in. I can't remember that detail because LA Fitness is everywhere for people who are watching from some other place. 
And these three guys beat the fuck out of him, dude. There's video of it, too. Was it sadder than Dylan Dennis getting choked out by that waiter or cop or whichever? It's a little more... No one was drunk here, so it's a little less sad than that. But the weird part about it was, if if I read the story right, the guys who beat him up weren't even really involved. They just found him repugnant. They were just dudes at the LA gym or at the LA Fitness they had spotted him or whatever, and they just beat his ass like out of principle. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know that I would be. I don't know that I would go to jail for for that kind of reason. I might just let him go work out. You know, some some celebrities are um, they're targets for shenanigans, but they bring it on themselves. Luke, you know what I mean? Like then, like Charlemagne the God get jumped in public. Like people like I think someone the, ran up on him. People yes. don't jump on run up on Skip Bayless though. Do they? Do they just look at that as just comedy then? I mean, you are beating up an old man at that point. Yeah, yeah. Also, that is amazing. How has nobody, how has no one gotten out the cell phone camera and been like, hey, eat a bag of dicks, Skip Bayless? <laughs> Maybe he goes like directly from studio to hotel or back home and like that's it. Like doesn't, you know, the, the more famous you get, the less you like stroll around publicly and flaunt <coughs> it. Like you're not walking around the Las Vegas Strip when you've got a, you know. Self to respect, you know. Yeah, that's you know, true. No reason not to. I bet he, he seems to lay low. You never see like Skip Bayless was spotted, blah blah yeah. blah. Meanwhile, my friend who lives in Tampa is like, "Hey, Ric Flair is drinking at that local yeah. bar from my house again." And yeah. I'm like, "Go say hi." Yeah, Ric Flair. Um, you know what I noticed going back and watching tape recently? Uh, I'm Ric Flair. No, uh, I'm not sure if all of these were pre-pandemic. Some of them were. Some of them were during the pandemic. But everyone was complaining about the Apex shows. And then I go back and I watch tape. And it was, I don't know what event it was. I can't remember. And the wooing oh, was yeah. out oh, of yeah. control. And I was like, you know what? God bless the Apex. God bless the silence. <laughs> the, you know what the Apex is? The Apex is the quiet car of well, sporting venues. Like, it's a library-like atmosphere. Yeah, no. I, remember when like, that, remember they had that mini celebrity section when they first started letting people yeah. come back into What's the What's his Apex? face? Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, and it was like Paul Anka, 86 years old, sitting there. And you're like, like really? Like old crooners coming Which, up? Which, honestly, it sounds like a good idea. Here's what I don't get about the Apex. Like... Everyone complains about what it is, which is like this warehouse vibe. And I get that. I do get that. But like, if you're the UFC... Surely you must hear some of this criticism. I guess you blow it off. But the, my point is this. If I told you you had an unlimited budget, yeah. and I said you have to keep the Apex basically what it is, right? which is a production facility. That's why people hate it, because it's a production facility. You have to keep it a production facility, and we can't lose, like once you get going, you know, I don't want like you to alter the set in such a way where operations get all messed up, right? It still has to be turnkey. It's really what it is, right? These seven hour events that can just do. But make it cooler. Make it cooler. Yeah. Make it cooler. You can't tell me, like an interior designer, or like, you know, obviously of a, this is a different kind, an architect almost could come in and make a more amphitheater-like feel there or yeah. change the seating That's a good up, point. Or... They, they really, they're like openly being honest with you that we're mailing it in, but they're not jazzing up the mail-in. They're right. not just like putting lipstick on the pig. They're just like, yeah, this is the shit that we're doing. We're not going to explain why, though, and hopefully no one in the media specifically raises their hand and asks that. Like you're why gonna, does nobody ask that? I don't know. Like You're going to have a small audience uh, who can be in person. Fine. We grant that. Can we make it cooler than like what just seems to be like almost like... A, again, I've never been to the Apex. Oh, I've never been in that room in the Apex. I've been in the Apex facility. Uh... You can't make it a little bit cooler? Like, even yeah. even for example, so for folks who may not realize this, we did, we haven't done one since last year, but we went to last year's um, Media Day, 
which is in the apex. It's this gigantic facility off the highway. You know, they really, I mean, it's, I get why they love it. You know, it's, it, it, from a work functionality standpoint, it is like such a blessing to have. And they had this long room where the fighters would go at one end where they are on the microphone and then everyone sits at these tables. And this was made during COVID. They just never really changed it up all that much. But like even that room was like enormous. It's, it's the room right past you. You walk in and it's all of the Ultimate Fighter jerseys all on one wall and stuff like that. And there's like belts too. You walk past that and it's down there. Well, my point being it is, it's like, the, it, it's fine. The functionality is crazy high. Yeah. But it's just all it's just utterly without personality. 100%. That's my issue. And you know, I before that change in the access to the media day, you know, they made it COVID friendly by making it more of a press conference. Um, I miss the one-on-one availability from this standpoint. Oh my God, dude, that has changed MMA media. From this standpoint, like from two standpoints. One, it made it more fun to cover the, the card because you were getting one-on-one, to, no, no, they'd be short, you know, five, six minutes, whatever, yeah. sometimes even shorter. But you really get a feel like you're covering it. Like whatever time, you know, when that later when you go on your podcast or you do a news hit or whatever we do for CBS Sports HQ, you feel more connected to the storylines and the flow on every fight. Um, the other part about it ultimately is, um, you know, I, I probably lost that. No, but dude, I think you make a great point. Like one of the fun things about the fight game is the late night long-winded scrums yeah. sometimes, you know? Um and, dude, the best thing that used to be for your career was to get that gig. To get the gig where you got sent to do that show and you got to go to media day and then you and the fighter are on camera together. Like, that kind of thing yep. is how you built your brand. Exactly, That's exactly. How, and they have taken that. Again, they don't have to do it any other way than what they're right. doing. It's I, their no, fucking I'm not, show. And I'm not pointing at the finger at them being like, F you. Like, but like this, this is probably way more efficient. It just takes longer now. It used to be... Two sessions filled with fighters, you'd wait in line for each one. And, you know, if the line was super long, you might be like, forget, I'm not going to wait in yeah, the line. Yeah, you had to apportion your time, yeah. whatever. And that wasn't a perfect system. People would abuse the power. People with no views would take, you know, 25 minutes in front of you. There's a lot of BS in that, but the access is there and it took place in a shorter period of time. Now, if you go to that media day as a reporter, you're there for like six hours, like yeah. straight. And, dude, like, also on top of it, like, um, you could feel the buzz in a room where people yeah. are coming and going and like blah, blah, blah. And again, I get all the reasons why it went away. I'm just saying that is one thing, like two things have devastated MMA media among other ones. One, like that kind of access on screen. You can still find ways to do it, but the ready access and what that position meant has been completely lost or undermined. I thought of the other reason I was gonna tell you about why I missed that so much. Because coming directly from boxing, to when I started to help out at ESPN.com as an editor and writer in MMA and then kind of took over the job and suddenly I'm doing it full time, is do boxing fights, pay-per-view, big weeks, even the, the highest level ones of the year when there's a good organization, you don't get the access in like the, like you do covering a UFC one. So mm -hmm. when I transferred over and covered my first like full UFC fight week on the ground, it's like, holy shit, did you get one-on-one -on -one with any person you want on the card? In all of the press events, you not only get a more, you know, a closer seat, better access, you actually get to ask questions, which in the boxing ones they didn't used to. So it's like, they give you on time, efficient as possible, in and out like a machine. WWE is also like that, and it is impressive to see. Dude, boxing is not like that at all. It's wild, wild west. A lot of times you see the, you know, the bloggers, the YouTuber guys come Just running rushing, up. Just rushing, yeah. It's, a, it's, less, it's less structured. And no, in boxing you can use your power better than you can in UFC to leverage exclusives. You know, when I was with ESPN, like, 
You used oh, that yeah. as a... See, I, I never was able to do that. You were able to walk was, right in and yeah. be like, yeah, I'm going to get my own thing over here. Yeah. And, and you can play that baller move, but um, man, dude, that first taste of it, which I'm trying to think the first... But I'll tell you what, covering boxing while, while I was doing UFC in my, some of my earlier years was a great learning lesson. Because I remember being like, dude, boxing is like a fucking zoo. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking zoo. It's a free-for-all. And you really appreciate how just much more structured the UFC environment is. I know a lot of fans may not view it that way, but trust me, like... They have the most, uh, what would you say? The UFC, typically, I would say, typically, it's a little bland at times, but it is the most buttoned-up promotion I've ever seen. Yeah. It's the most buttoned-up promotion, by far. I, I um, remembered my first full fight week. I've been to UFC fights before this, but just covering, like, one night. I need to fix up. the camera. Keep talking. The first full fight week. Actually, wait, actually wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. So the crazy thing is, like, I had gone to a couple UFC or Bellator events when I first started getting serious into combat with ESPN, um, you know, I did like the Ultimate Fighter finale with the straw weights. Like that was a really cool show to be at. But it was UFC 196, my first like full fight week. Me, Brett, we had, I think we had Rosh Markazi, like three of us on the ground going after it, go to every single event. Dude, that week was insane. Were you there in Vegas that weekend? Which one? Connor Nate won. No. Holly Holm against Misha Tate in the co-main. You had um, Nunes versus, Nunes and Shevchenko, I think were both on that card in separate fights. I went, or no, that was the first time they fought each other. That's right. Did, did I go to Connor Nate one? I did. I went to whatever UFC it was because I did a immediate breaking news report on the ground with Ariel, me, and Sean El Shadi when we found out that Connor Nate one or maybe Connor Nate two, I think, had fallen through yeah. something something like that. I can't remember. But dude, what I was going to say on top of it was uh, now I kind of forget. But something uh, something else that had hurt the MMA media beyond. Losing that, um, Dana turning on them. <laughs> he's, he wasn't ever necessarily like their friend. He's always like I. People are like, wow, he's reached new lows, and it's like, not really. Like, not really. That's a good point. I mean, there are videos that we have forced ourselves to forget that he put out mainstream, like. 12 years ago, right? That were just dude. Like, like he had a video, like the famous one that got him in trouble. Was there was a couple of them. There's a Loretta Hunt one. The Loretta Hunt the... one. I remember vividly the day that the Loretta Hunt video came out. And but he then was, it was like, a real homophobic one that was on that level. I forgot who. It the was Loretta Hunt that. one. That's the same one. So the reason why he did it in the Loretta Hunt one was Loretta Hunt was making a point about managers and what UFC might be doing to undermine the UFC the managers' both input and in certain cases supervision. And there was a question, and the question is fair on Dana's side, which was, why are, is your manager in the back? You know, why is your manager, you know, these are spots for credentialed people. Now, it turns out you may actually want your manager back there in the event that they try to force a deal on you, any promoter. Like, as a rule, wouldn't you want that a fighter has the, should have the opportunity to have a manager with them before they sign any deal? You would want to give them that opportunity. But he argued a bunch against a bunch of things in the piece, but rather than making it about that, um, what he basically did was like he he went after her for having anonymous sources and he's like whoever was an anonymous source who doesn't put their name on it you're an effing the letter F yeah and uh, so it was about the practices involved in telling that story and he and he dropped that dude that was like a real big thing like that was he got deep shit for that one uh, at least I mean you know it was amazing but the sport was still considered. A little more outlaw back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like, oh, that's what they do there. Yeah, but like the media, I remember the the mainstream media, this is still true to an extent. To an extent. I don't think as much, but they really liked Dana. Like at that moment in time, what Dana meant for them was this kind of new power executive in sports yeah. who knew the knew the rules of how to excel in the in this new world they were in, the television world and 
you know, media rights and all that kind of stuff, knew how to play that game, but also had a bit of an edge to them. And like, you know, and, and, and everything had felt so buttoned up at the time where everyone was doing corporate speaking, here comes Dana, fuck this, fuck that, I like this, I like that. And they really responded to that, they really liked it. So when that crisis hit, First of all, I think altogether there was a bit more of an apologetic tone, um, relatively speaking. I mean, this time there was just absolutely nothing that they, well, I mean, that's not true. But still, it, it was, he had to bend the knee a little bit more at that time. And then the media cover for him at the time was that, um, hey, he made a mistake and, uh, you know, he's owning up to it. And again, I'm not, I, even then I, I didn't think he should lose his job. But that, I remember that day vividly, vividly. The question is, would they do that now? I don't know if they would do that now as much. I mean, even he's way smarter now and adjusted to times to not let that yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, he couldn't justify that. I mean, dude, that. here's the thing, dude. We grew up in the 90s. Like, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and pretend I haven't said that word a gajillion times. Because, of course, I have. Um, so, you know, I was like, you know, when that happened, I was like, dude, we're long past the point where that's acceptable, obviously. But, like, it's a little hard to pick up a big-ass rock, you know, and be yeah. like, pay the penalty, you know. Yeah. Um, what about me? So, there's that. Um Anyway, hey, yeah, you dude. know, we also t interviewed Yoel Romero today. Mm -hmm. Dude, I, I cannot get enough of him. Like, he's just one of those athletes that, like, he's such a equally, he's a ridiculous character <laughs> and, like, this inspiration yeah. badass. Like, yeah. he's so many things at once, like, humble, hardworking, but also, like, a he had some cheating moments. And, like, he's always kind of, like, on the edge. It's just the same. But um, I don't know. That was a fun interview, like, to just really hear him at length with the interpreter and just, like, Hear a bit of his soul, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Do you do you love him like I do? Yeah, BC starts out the interview by telling him he loves him. Yeah, I mean, from the heart, you know what I mean? He knows. I like, love. Yo, we have had moments before him and I, you know what I mean? We kind of made out in a sense, like in the in a sense, like in terms of like you know one love brotherhood, you know? Yeah. You guys had. You definitely gargled his balls. I can say that. I, that is that I, way too I far. I mean, like, that. dude, could he could he really win the Bellator Light Heavyweight Championship? I mean, this is going to go out what tomorrow? Uh, so before the fight. I mean, never say never, but I feel like Nemkov would have to fuck up, like, for that. Time. Okay, is in a higher division, and he did say not cutting down possible. anymore is like so much better for him. Does he still have the explosiveness to have a moment like like the moments he produced against Rockhold, Weidman, like all these dudes? You know, like he. So I'm trying to remember. Moments. Like I, I didn't go back and rewatch the fight, but like when Couture hung it up, I was at that event. But it's been so long. This was the one in Canada where GSP fought Jake Shields. Machida against. Yeah, Machida. Oh, Machida. That was rough to watch. Yeah. So Couture was basically the same age. He was 47 at that time, and I remember like what was the difference between that Couture and one just a few years before that. Chin. Uh, chin is the answer there. He just became yeah. much less durable almost instantly. I mean, Brock punched the shit out of him with that one. That there is that, look, he took a world of damage in all of his career. But what I'm saying is, like, year to year, you didn't notice much difference. And yeah. then all of a sudden, there was a big one. Dude, uh, I wonder, you know, we'll okay. that, I've said versions of this before, but tell me, am I being too over the top fanboy romanticism here? Like, because Randy Couture is not in the good graces of the UFC and he's doing PFL work, like obviously his legend doesn't get told like it should through UFC's lens or, or, or mouth or voice. That's why didn't didn't um, PFL produce a uh, documentary on him that's on ESPN Plus? I think they might have. But the whole point is like I feel like this younger generation of fans that are coming in should be like given the DVDs and, and or you know go watch the Randy Couture run. Like you got to like American Hero. Like he could be that. Enduring badass over multiple generations of MMA and UFC fandom, yet 
he doesn't have that Chuck Liddell feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Chuck's kind of, a, I mean, Chuck's, Chuck's doing the Mohawk with the big gut. I'm sorry, Chuck. I, like something's got to go here. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it's still Chuck Liddell. Yo, you know what I mean? Yeah, you got to respect it. Why don't, is it just because the UFC doesn't, doesn't sing his legend? Is that the only reason why? Like, dude, he's awesome. The legend of Chuck Liddell is awesome, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even you don't have that respect. Like For that. who, Chuck? Yeah, like on that Captain America level of like fucking Chuck, mm -hmm. man. He can like he can do anything, dude. The He's difference. All hard. The difference was Couture served in the army. That was the difference. Oh, it's because you're a marine. You can't give him that full respect. Like just give it to him. You know what I mean? I know you want to give it to him. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. I want you to give him some flowers. Do, do you remember that? that? No, but the to answer your question. Um, Couture, you know, it's all marketing and bullshit, but he had a, he was like a precursor to Brian Stan, who was like all in on that identity. Yeah, but he was a way better fighter in terms of like elite levels at their prime. Couture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by country mile. I mean, he won a title in two different weight classes. So, yeah, for sure. He's one of 17 double champions in MMA history. Um, well, of, among major organizations. But um, Did you put David Branch in there? He do. Because there was World Series of Fighting, it was light heavyweight. That actually got him back into the UFC, I believe, right? If memory serves. Uh, and then uh, that, that went so-so when he got back. But, um, but do you remember that Chuck Liddell cameo he did where he was like, Dear Dylan, your friend Steve says, I'm so glad you've come out of the closet. Enjoy your life as a homosexual. I was like, this is a little bland, Chuck. I think, I think they're having a go at you, my guy. Oh, wow. Oh my god. That? Oh my god. It's like, the most, like the most that ordinary names, like Steve yeah. and Rick. It's like yeah. Rick says, Congratulations on being a homosexual. <laughs> you know, cameo, Luke, it's something. It's something, you know. How many how many people have sent you pictures of their wang? No, they don't do they don't do that. They send a request and then I provide the wang shots. <laughs> that's how the transaction works, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Dude, you know what I I didn't know? Uh Who's the, let me ask you a question. Who's the most batshit insane, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way, person on wrestling Twitter? Who's like the fucking... Of active people or, or like legends? I guess active. Like who is just fucking out there? I, dude, I don't follow that closely anymore. And I mean, when they're WWE superstars, they're not necessarily allowed to like carry on these like all like real life personas. Okay, well, okay. Like, so who's like out of the business? Who's like super ridiculously insane? There's a lot of them. I can't give you like one that just sums it up, but there's there's a good amount of them. All right. Okay. So you know, sorry I saw one you. today. I cannot remember his name. Boy, this gentleman was animated. Animated. It's like I'm so far removed from that. I can't even find like the go-to reach of of who that should be anymore. But. You know, I did have a good run, Luke, back in pro wrestling. I didn't think I'd ever stumble back into it, you know? And it happened, and now I'm glad it's over. But it was something, you know? It, it's a, it was a love affair that I don't regret, okay, Luke? Yep. Like that Sheryl Crow song, My Greatest Mistake, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, you've been talking about Sheryl Crow nonstop today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Earlier today, Luke's like, you know, I, under, under no circumstances at all would I sleep with Sheryl Crow and by Lance Armstrong. You get this whole bit about, like, uh, wristbands and, like, and, you know, uh, P, uh, yeah. BC just asked me would I bang Sheryl Crow because that's what he asked me on in workplaces. You know, I had an EPO punchline. I just couldn't deliver it. I couldn't find And I was trying to think that through, and I'm like, it's not really my type, you know? Yeah. Not really my type. Have you seen her in concert? No, I don't think so. What was your first concert that you like? And when I mean first concert, I mean like what your parents took you to, unless they took you to an awesome one. 
What was like your first concert where you picked and you went? Okay, so my first real concert was a uh, free Fourth of July concert with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, but I wasn't like into the music. And then my I don't mean that. I mean like everything was like. Okay, then I got dragged by, by my dad and some relatives to a. Do you remember this band called White Trash? They had a one-hit wonder ska hit. I hate everything about you. No, they were on par with Ugly Kid Joe, but they had a song called um, Apple Pie, not Cherry Pie. Yeah, she is mine. No, that's Warren, dude. This is you. It sounds like I have never heard of that, but if you put on the song, you'd be like, oh, I kind of remember that. I'm sure I have. I went to a concert with them, and um, it was actually pretty awesome until the band started like opening up cans of beer, taking two drinks, and then like firing it onto the crowd. And there was like cans flying everywhere. My dad was like, we got to go right now. So I'd say the first concert that I actively pushed to go to. Now that you probably make fun of me, but um, at that point, that was like freshman year of high school, I was real into like 60s oldies. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, all the all the big hits of like 63, 64, 65, 66, like the, all the names, all of them. I went, I, I was like, Dad, we gotta go to this oldie show. It's gonna be awesome at the Civic Center. Tommy James and the Shondells, Junior Walker and the All-Stars, uh, Lou Christie, Leslie Gore, like all these like, you know the kind of music that'd be on at your dentist office, Luke. Okay, but I have to say the concert was awesome, except for the overabundance of middle-aged people dancing in the aisles. It was almost Jimmy Buffett-like. It was really like pushing it, where I was just like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. You know. I saw uh, it wasn't my, it wasn't my first concert, but I saw Drive By Truckers. Who did they open for? Do I, was it the Charlie Daniels? No, was it the Doobie Brothers? Who that was it? That would be pretty badass, actually. I left after Drive By Truckers. I was like, nah. Who's, nah. The, who's the group that, like, their mushrooms are their symbol? And the Almond Brothers? Almond Brothers, excuse me. Dude, you, you, you skipped out on the Almond Brothers? Like, I did skip out on the Almond that's Brothers. That's O'Teal. That, he I, was in the band. I know, I know. I like, and actually, ding, 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 ding. I like the Almond Brothers, but I was just, I was out of there. It was, oh, in, it was in Virginia Beach. I was just like, I'm gone. I bet you that was a, what year, did, what year was that? That's a while ago. Like, oh, oh, two? No, like, oh, six. Six, maybe okay, okay. something like that. Because I saw the drive-by truckers for the first time in O2 Central Park. They said that summer concert series for free, and it was drive-by truckers opening up for Charlie Daniels. It was badass, dude. That's pretty good. I'm not a big Charlie Daniels guy, but when he, he does, puts on a show, when yeah. he goes does the devil goes down to Georgia. That's all. Honestly, dude, he breaks the shit out of the bow on the on the fiddle and goes nuts. You know? Dude, I'll watch just about anything on a stage if the person on the stage is a is a real showman. Or Cabaret theater as well. I mean, okay, you're starting to get, you know. I'm not trying to go into wine mom territory. I'm just saying the stuff that I'll sit through uh, that I ordinarily wouldn't if someone was just ordinarily playing it without much more than just the mechanical act of playing it. But like if someone's really putting on a show, you'd be surprised what you watch, you know, or what kind of stuff you'll at least give a shot. I think you'd be surprised. You know. Uh... <laughs> I, think, I think he'd fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, you just can't stop. I know. You know, you just opened the door. You know, it's like. You're like a stump the Schwab. Like, if someone just gives you this input, you have to, you know, you're the the Brendan Schaub rain man. No. I think that's what you you are. It's really more about the art of comedy than Brendan Schaub, to be fair. I don't know that that's true. It's pretty singular about it. For us artists, it's more of a. How bitter were people that you didn't land on the wheel when I had that written? How bitter were they? Uh, I don't know. You know, I was. You know, I got enough cats in my house. You know what I mean? I don't need to keep. You know. Uh, what movies did I see, dude? I saw a documentary recently. That was. You know, I didn't ask you what movies you saw. <laughs> I mean, that was a nice pivot, but I didn't ask. You. I know. I'm just telling at, you. No, but you set it up like, oh, BC, you were asking me about this. Oh, yeah. you know? I was like, no, it really wasn't. Yeah. No, I guess you weren't. Uh, nevertheless, I'm just gonna tell you, bitch, because that's what I do. Yeah. Um, no, I saw Chimp Empire on Netflix. Have I you seen have this? I've not seen that. Dude, it's, or heard of it. it's this 
documentary crew that spent months and months and months in this dense jungle, in this uh, Ngogo forest, and I think, if memory serves, Uganda. And uh, it's the place where, like, basically it's like the densest chimp population anywhere in the world. Okay. And it's like the most amazing footage and the most amazing sound and incredible narration. Now, obviously, they're telling a story, so you wonder to what extent, like, there's actual fealty to the truth. But I'm told that the broad strokes of it are very much true. And uh, Does this end with the journalist getting eaten by and, and destroyed? It doesn't, but there is some death. There is some death. Right. Uh, it's, you know, chimp life is... Brutal, bro. What do you think is more dangerous in terms of risking your life, being a solo free climber or um, studying chimps and like that role that Sigourney Weaver played in that movie? I don't know what the math on that is. I'm going to bet it's more dangerous to be with the chimps, bro. Okay. They'll rip your balls and face off. And then... Like instantly, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're strong as fuck, too. Yo, you know what I used to be real into in elementary school and now I look back on it with horror? Bestiality? No, uh, videos of animals like in the African jungle like like fighting, like stare oh, down, yeah. you know what I mean? Like well, how would this animal do against this one? And then you look at, and there's like video of it. You know what I've noticed though? It's like faces of death for kids, you know, it's good. It is, but like here's the thing, I've noticed I can watch certain forms of death, like when a cat, like when, for example, when a jaguar gets like a croc. Yeah, I'm not into any of that bullshit. Okay, I'm not into it, but I can tolerate it, but like, when a snake gets like a horse, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, I yeah, can't. Yeah, There's yeah. certain forms of yeah. animal death that I can tolerate and other ones I, mean, I can't. More, you know, inevitably we're gonna end up at a cockfighting match if we keep, you know, if you keep entertaining that. Dude, you know? my, uh, my in-laws in Panama took me to, they have like, the big thing in, in life down there, as I, as I understand it, is everyone's got like, when they live in the city, they all have like, it's like here too, but like it's much more pronounced. Everyone's got like a country getaway, right? It's like yeah. a real big thing is going to the countryside on the weekends and stuff like that. And uh, he took us to the, his countryside house, which was lovely. I mean, it had two pools. Like, what, what is not to like about it? Um, but on the way, he had to pass a, like a fully functional operating cockfighting ring. Yo, uh, that's and I was and like, and like, dude, like with the imagery, like painted, and like you can see the amphitheater. And like, they weren't having a cockfight when we drove by. But like the, they were just closed for the day. Okay, like, do you is like that's you know it's abhorrent to me, right? Like I'm just like oh god. But do you have any sympathy for people who like grow up like as that's like a legitimate part of their culture where they come from? So it's they it's hard for them to look at it as anything but that. Even though I'm still like that's ridiculous. But I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, in the poorer you go to these some of these places, it's not this th these things are not always directly correlated, but. My experience in life has been that when you go to some of these poorer places and they're still using animals as like tools in society for transportation, for um, farming. And again, so, some of that is still done even in the most advanced ones, but I mean like much more rugged, difficult methods. Like you'll see, um, they had to, like in my lifetime, in our lifetime, they banned use of horses for transportation in Bogota. And so they had to pay farmers, like that was their only means of using these fucking things. They had to pay them to attend to like, to like this humane farm and like give them money so they could buy like something to replace that with. But what I'm trying to make is when you see people who come from like circumstances like that, yeah. like, dude, when the people are, when life is that rough and the value of human life is so low, the animals don't have a fucking prayer. Like, they don't have a fucking prayer. So here's my answer. No, I mean, I still believe in animal ethics, and I think it applies more consistently, even, no matter what. I'm not one of these like cultural relativists that like, no, harming women and throwing acid in their face in other countries is great. No, it's fucking bad, um, and so animal abuse is bad. Uh, but can you be reformed from that? 
Sure, of course you can. I mean, look at Michael Vick. I mean, I don't think he's drowning dogs, is he? No, I think he's, he's <laughs> you know. Yeah, Boy, right. people were bitter about that. Well, remember he had that inspirational comeback year with the Eagles yeah. where he was like the best player in football? Yeah, it was before. shocking. Yeah, yeah. Well, pe people were mad as shit about yeah. that. I mean, what is the um, statute of limitations on the court of public opinion on that I stuff? I mean, he like, went to fucking jail. What do you want him to do? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you could see it both ways, though. I know, but would you be great. like, hey, um, my dog is barking outside. I'm not home. Can you just go let him in? Would you? Okay, you, right. no, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know if you trust him. Yeah, why, why is Coach Sandusky in the living room? I mean, there's no more recruiting visits at all, you know, it's like, just, just stay away, right? Um, I told you I saw John Wick 4. Yeah, um, I didn't see any of them, Luke. I think I, I failed in not seeing any of the Taken movies with Liam Neeson. Are they good? I think I've seen one of them. How many are there? I think there's a lot more than you realize. Is it like Ernest Goes to Camp? I think it's Ernest like a poor man's Fast and Furious franchise at Ernest, this point. Ernest Goes Yo, to... Yo, Slam Dunk Ernest was decent. I'll say that. I don't... <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an old man reference like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. God um, damn. Would you believe that I had uh, more than a few copies? I mean, more than a few volumes in the Ernest series on DVD, like like when I was in like middle school. Like, absolutely, I did, you know? Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Well, I think it was still VHS when I was in middle school. What a horrible thing VHS was, right? Yeah, except, you know what You know what my dad was? Too clever. <laughs> beta, He got right? fucking Betamax. Yeah, yeah he's like, he did. He's yeah. like with the wing on. And he kept saying, Aren't the cartridges like this they're big? They're bigger. Yeah. And he was like, this is what the rest of the world uses, which was true. And I'm like, Dad, he's like the kind of guy who at parties like will not call soccer soccer. He's like, no, it's football. I'm like, dude, you're from Cleveland. Just fucking call it yeah. soccer. So Please, is he more pedantic than you? Oh, my God, dude. If you think I'm bad. Like... I would love to interview him, but you're never gonna let me. Why won't you let me? No, it could be dude, it could be part therapy and interview for both of you've you. You've never gone to a museum until you've gone with my dad, who will when I say stop and fucking read every <laughs> single exhibit description, yeah. piece by motherfucking piece, and dude, critique it too, and and like say and fact check it in real time. Like oh. you just cannot imagine the level of detail. You, I, every time we go to a museum, I'm like, holy fuck. It's like, it's like a UFC on Fox card starting. Yeah, but that prepared you to watch tape of MMA fights 49 times to it. find the secret inside of it. You know what I mean? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Luke, you know what we never talk about? Mm, pornography? Uh, no, um, UFC fights in the past that we like really love. Like we always talk about like, the big ones, but like you never talk about the in-between ones that you're like, you know, I love that fight. Dude, my memory is just like... So many fights we have to. I mean, I think about some of the ones I had the most fun in. Uh, we talked about this one before. Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin. Yes. Those are just still, still my favorite. Fun. My favorite pay per view. Still, dude. That that was like something. That was just different. That Lesnar run was different, man. That you know what I mean? Like that. It was People almost felt understand. like you almost felt like you're watching a movie. It was so kind of yeah, like bizarre yeah, yeah. that he could be that good just transferring over. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And then I had skepticism because there's a lot of people at that time where, like, what people don't realize is some of like the earliest. <coughs> I guess people do realize this, but it's worth reminding them that, like, right around this time, so through, when was Brock Lesnar, like, 08, 09, yeah. up through that time, there was a lot of really basic but noteworthy experimentation, boxers versus kickboxers. Um, and and like, I mean, well past UFC, like, in Japan, under boxing rules or kickboxing rules, whatever, and sort of seeing what would happen. And you just saw, like, a lot of crossover completely fail. Now, obviously, we have better ways of judging these kinds of things. 
So like even though Lesnar was huge as shit and you knew he wrestled collegiately, you'd, you'd be like, okay, he's good, but like, you know, surely he's gonna just fall apart, uh, you know, once Heath Herring stuffs a couple of takedowns. Nope. Dude, nope. no. Remember when Not Herring all. did an extra roll over after getting knocked down yeah. and Brock went full on running shoulder and then, tackle? And then still fucking That's flat, the greatest right? moment of all time. Like that was such an incredible And that wasn't moment. skill per se, but that was like, I had not seen athleticism. He turned like into that. a bull. He literally yeah. came in like shoulder first, just like goring him. Like, like, there's a reason why those runs are magical, and by those runs, I mean Lesnar, Rousey, McGregor, right? And you can, I mean, at times Anderson Silva had had that type of feeling too, and GSP, GSP too. People forget, and John Jones too. But like, it seemed it's it's next level feeling for Lesnar, Rousey, and McGregor, all for obvious reasons. Um, it's it's so captivating. And that's why it brings in so many casual fans because it's like you need to have that much doubt or hate for the athlete as they're doing remarkable, ridiculous things and they're yes. beloved. But you need those haters too because then everybody comes out. And of course, you know? he lost to Frank Mir, and I was like, oh right, you know. Yeah, okay, now that's who he is. That, that's and then Heath Herring hadn't. Heath Herring had a really bad showing against Jake O'Brien. But I remember at the weigh-ins, or like, yeah, the weigh-ins, I was like, dude, Heath Herring looks fucking big as shit. Yeah. And then you get out there, and he is bigger. He was. But Brock Lesnar is like, <laughs> orders of magnitude, a and different you know, athlete. And you know what Brock's run? so exciting. Here's what Brock's run had. Here's the special sauce on Brock. He was, because depending on like who you were as a fan, like if you were a WWE fan, this was like, oh my God, my favorite wrestler is just kind of crossing the street into this with no ex you know, experience outside of collegiate wrestling, which turns out to be a huge advantage along with the athleticism and all that. But he was a freak of nature to watch. And at the same time, like an inspirational, like underdog story, right? Because it was like he had no business walking into the title picture at the number one MMA organization in the world at that moment and actually like winning the championship. Like, I, like that's ridiculous, right? Mm. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I remember he, he beat Minsu Kim before this on K1. And I remember everyone got that wrong. Everyone's like, oh, Minsu Kim sucks. And yes, he was not a great MMA fighter. But Minsu Kim was like, I believe, an Olympic silver medalist in judo, certainly a very decorated judoka out of Japan, obviously, and uh, and Lesnar just fucking cut just right through him. him. I yeah. was like, holy fuck. What were we talking to recently that said Lesnar was supposed to be fighting somebody else, and then the UFC stepped in and blocked it? Uh, was that an on-the-record conversation? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to think back in the archives with my brain, Luke, but... Um... I'm trying to remember who Lesnar was in the in the who, who else he could have fought in that time, but no, it, no one would have known because it was such a surprise that he kind of just yeah made the move and came in. But, yeah, 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 I mean, dude, the, I, remember, I remember the diverticulitis uh, press call that he made. That's another thing that has stopped. So Dana used to do these big announcements on press calls and the media calls, right? And like, so getting on those calls was a big deal. And uh, all that shit's gone. Now they just control it completely. Like, they've really diluted the functional need. Like, to what extent is MMA media useful? They have really um, taken a bite out of that question. Dude, I forgot. You remember they had a um, call when Mayweather McGregor was announced? Like, that night. Oh, yeah. They did a late night media call. Yeah, and there was, I remember the press releases because they were coming from every direction. Okay, so I was on that call. I forgot what I asked Dana. It was one of those where I like I know I'm asking a, a like a question that has some life to it that they're not gonna like. I forgot the topic. Like it was kind of a dick question by me, but it was to try to get into that conversation. And Dana was like, "That's the stupidest question I ever heard." 
<laughs> like he totally just like shit on me, like just tried to just return, spiked it right in my face. I, I, so do you remember when they had the press conference live on Fox to announce that, and Joe Rogan had to wear the suit? Yeah, that was. It was like the first yeah. time Joe Rogan ever put a suit on in his life. He it looked very awkward for him. And um, is that why he dresses like a bus boy? Now? That's your favorite. That's your favorite. I mean, it is kind of like a it's well delivered. That's where he's at these days. But anyway, um, I got one of the questions on that. So they were they let media call in. They only took five questions. In retrospect, I hate my question, but at the time it at the time it made more sense because we didn't really know a lot about how MMA and boxing being on the same night. We had some idea about it, but like it was still a little bit different. Uh, I asked them about going head to head with Pacquiao for their debut, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not concerned." And I was like, "Okay." It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you know. Inflammatory. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It was normal. Yeah. Yeah. But it is intimidating, and you're like in your early days of covering to like get up at the you know press. Yeah, but dude, now that I think about it, all those gigs are gone, dude. All those gigs are gone, and it's more than that too. Like, what gigs? What do you mean? Like the thing, like what made media useful in the aughts, and it was this ability to be the conduit between the sport and the fan base. Yeah, and there still are are obviously ways to do that, but it has been completely eroded on every corner. MMA fighters. Now interview each other on their own YouTube channels. Right, right. Um, they're doing their own breakdowns. They're doing all kinds of stuff. There's a massive presence in that That's way. Good point. Yep. And which You're is right. just, they don't have to go on media tours to announce things or to. No, or if I, they're, and they still will in certain occasions. Right. But they don't. They're like how much of that like is, is completely taken a backseat, and like these things about being on press calls or you know um, being at these events and like sort of telling people on the ground what it's like. Like they've removed all of that. But would you say though, because it is intimidating your first times, like at any time to yeah. be fair, like at the press conference where there's all that eyes, you know, the cameras on you too, like that's intimidating. Um, I was going to compare that to something else. I forgot. It. I had one time I was trying to interview Lucas Matisse and I was, I just could not get a word out. Yeah. And his trainer was like, yo, ask the fucking question or we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that 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 sucks. That sucks, dude. That but so sucks. so right then, I but you know what I kept trying to do. I, like I was a, I was so nervous. This was Mayweather and Pacquiao, by the yeah. way. Because Matisse fought on that card, and I was uh, I was trying to be like Luke Thomas of SB Nation for blah 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 blah. And for some reason, I was just so nervous to do it. I just kept fucking it up. So finally, Casey, who was my camera guy, he's like, "Man, just ask him the first question." So that worked. I was like, so what's up with blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it worked fine after that. You know. I know what I was going to say. Um, oh, I'm not, I just lost it again. You Damn, know, it's, dude, it's, you are an absolute piece of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, really bringing it, bringing the heavy lumber no, I know, to today's I know, program. I know what it was, too. Oh, I know it now. So you said a thing of the past. It feels like a thing of the past now is conference calls. Like, well, when there's breaking news or anything. Like, there's, they don't do that anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I guess there is some kind of Zoom setup sometimes, but not even really. Not really. But do you remember calling in, and since it's not like visual, you're not seeing their reaction, you can ask like extra spiteful or, or dick questions. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you, what I'm saying is like you automatically raise your, your balls yeah. like a little bit more, you know? And dude, the Howard Stern guys for years would get on the call and they'd be like, yeah, here's a question. Uh, how long is it going to take for you to lick my balls? <laughs> Howard's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always pop for stuff like that. Like, that's just hilarious, man. <laughs> and the dudes went on for fucking years, yeah. and they'd have to mute the call and, like, all this shit. Oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah, the, I, mean, I mean, media in general, it's a weird time. Dude, they've absolutely decimated that role. That's why, I like, 
you know, it's like, do how, like, what kind of stuff can you do in MMA media? Unless, honestly, like, <laughs> dude, there's not, I mean, it's, I wouldn't, I would definitely, I, I would say this, if you want to get involved in it, you need to be very different and you need to get results right away. And if you don't, don't fucking do this shit. Like, don't. I, I mean, what if you're really good, though? If you're really good, sometimes you just. What the fuck does that mean? That sometimes you have to build. No, that, it does. Sometimes you have to build inventory. You have to be a lot more than good, dude. Okay, but. You have to be a lot more. I'm not than saying good. they have to be great the next day. I'm saying. No, I'm saying you have to be lucky. You, you have, have to be, be a lot of things. The business good. has to be conducive. And also, like, like seriously, if you, if you, how many people in MMA media are making what you would consider to be like a good living. Like, dude, you can count them on your fucking hand. You know, you can count them on your hand. Um, and that's, that number's probably gonna dwindle. Like, there, like, how much money can actually be made doing this? Um, I, we, are, we are doing okay, certainly for now, but like. Are, we, are you trying to say we're newspapers and. Um, no, that's not what I mean. Are we? What I mean to say is, like, you always have to think about, and I think about this with MK all the time. In fact, I know we could be doing a much better job with it, like our usefulness. How useful is what we are doing? Um, you know, uh, if the in guys... In terms of our voice in the, in the industry? No. In that sense, I think what we do is very useful. Even when we're wrong, we're at least giving an alternative perspective that needs to be aired. Fine. I mean usefulness and like, hey, how would I get my news if I didn't have X? Yeah. Um, how would I understand fights if I didn't have why? How useful are you in that way? And MMA media, be because just the way things are structured now, and this involves us too, they're just a lot less useful. You don't need you don't need us as much as you once did. Um, I accept that. I accept the challenge, but you got to figure out how to be useful. And that's where I think, dude. That's where I honestly feel like long term, you know, right or wrong, like just being critical in this industry makes you useful. It makes you enemies, but it makes you fucking useful. Um, so, look, you have a purpose in this space. Yes, to get yelled even, at. Even if you hate this. To space. get to get yelled at by motherfuckers. Did you see who Jack Slack was arguing with today? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> He's arguing with some. You know what's amazing to me about like combat sports fans is that when they pretend to be sports fans, it's like, dude, you can be a combat sports fan and you can be a sports fan. And that's especially true in like England, for example. Yeah. Right? But in the States, a lot of combat sports fans are just that. They're not really fans. So you fans don't think it's a natural sports. tie with NFL or NHL? You don't think there's like a, a consistency? I think the demos there? overlap on paper, 18 to 24, blah, blah, blah. I think in the real world, the overlap is fairly small. Yeah. I think they're different. It's like a biker crowd, it's different. Um, what? It is. Dude, these are Did not you, bad people, but they're not the same as like families in a long-standing tradition. If uh, your dad has an affliction t-shirt and tight jeans and a possible coke habit, then you'll fit right in. You'll right? fit right in, bro. Yeah, yeah, you'll fit right in. But anyway, I mean, listen, they, they, you know, we we we, do, we we have a good deal. Uh, we have a good gig, but um, dude, this was. But here's the funny part about it. When I first got in the business, none of that good stuff ever existed either. Like that all kind of materialized as uh, you know the business moved along. It's just that it didn't last very long. Like, you know. How... Oh, the you're saying the boom period for breakout MMA media slash entertainment. Dude, it's had not. It's not that hard to get a gig on television talking about. I'm not gonna say it's not that hard. What I'm saying is it looks incredibly hard. It looks hard. Sorry, I'm saying it the wrong way. 
What I'm saying is it's not especially rare in the industry to be able to get a job talking about college football, right? There's a lot of places. There's newspapers that still do that. It has a beat reporters. They have net regional networks. There's radio stations that still cover this stuff. College radio stations. There's television stations. There's like a lot of that where a job is available. Some more lucrative than others, but there's a lot of jobs. Sure. Dude, how many jobs are there where people get paid to talk about MMA? Um, and how many of them are lucrative, and how many of them are at long-standing institutions, right? These places that are bedrocks of community. Um, dude, like, it doesn't fucking exist. It's like, almost doesn't exist. It's a very, very, you know. But do you, like, want, you know, to have a reputation, a legacy, Luke, as a, you know, tough journalist who went after truth? All these good virtues, I'm not making fun of them. Like, all that shit is bullshit. No, but do you, do you care? Like, do you look at this as just... This pays the bill. Like I, you're passionate about it, but like you know, it's a means to the end. Or are you like trying to leave an imprint, Luke? I think it's extremely foolish to think we're going to leave an imprint. I think it's just absurd. Uh, the passage of time, we won't. None of this will be remembered in ten years, much less twenty. And that's just the reality. People all, still talk about Luke Thomas is pissed all the time. So don't yeah, you dare. They do right? in a strange way. But here's what I mean, dude. Like. What you have to do is sometimes what you do can set a tone for others and things can build. Certainly in your time, what I think is most important is to, uh, to the best of your approximation and your best of your abilities to tell the truth and have an imprint on reality as best that that carries you. But then realize there's going to be extreme limits to that. You're going to be, have pushback on it. And when this is all over... Like, oh, people will remember what you've done. People are not going to remember a fucking thing you did, dude. And everyone's like, oh, these guys, are the goats are going to stand the test of time. No, people are going to break their records in 50, 60 years. There's going to be another, oh, let me finish. There's going to be another Messi. There's going to be another Ronaldo. There's going to be another Michael Phelps. There's going to be all these things. And everyone is going to forget all of this stuff. Like, this, this, this like, grossly inflated sense of self that we all have. Yeah, think, I mean, that's not incorrect. That's, I mean, I get it. That's, you know, it's just not true. All you can do is tell the truth while you have the ability to tell it. That's it. That's it. I like that speech, even though it sounds like the guy from Corey Hammond Lucas wrote it. But you know I, I, stand I was by thinking it. about it, too, because I used to be obsessed with these questions about leaving an imprint. Then I realized it's just not going to happen. So that doesn't mean you can't have an imprint. That doesn't mean you can't do big things. But it just means you got to have a little bit of humility about the big universe you live in and how fast it yeah. moves and what all that means. I don't, and it, dude, it brought me closer to like my wife and kid, having that yeah. realization, because what actually mattered was the fucking time I was spending with them. That's, That's what true. actually fucking matters. That's damn right. It's damn right. If anything, Luke, and I don't think this is vain, I want, I don't care if people remember us, but I want them to always remember how they felt. Yeah. With us. People who really like when our we shit will remember. Yeah. yeah, they will remember that. But what I mean to say is like, do we cast some long shadow on society? Dude, we're in a fucking hotel room in Jersey City. Yeah. Talking to a single camera microphone, uh, camera, like. Oh yeah, where's the second camera? You said there was going to be a second <sighs> camera. The battery's dead. I didn't check it because I'm an amateur. <laughs> um, yeah. I did say it was a maybe, first of all. How many, roughly, how many poor life decisions away do you think your life was from you being a, like a successful adult film producer? But like you don't really have, you know, a soul or morals or anything like no, that. No, too chicken shit to do that. Okay. Too chicken shit to do that. Does but that, like, but like that sounds something gross. else equally, you know, reprehensible, not that far. Yeah. Really not yeah. that far. I almost went like full-time officer in the military. I toyed with that idea. 
But that was like, nah. Yeah, I mean, like, I love movies when, like, they break down, like, the one moment that turned their life. You know, there's a bunch of them, and you're like, and, you know, you kind of, you can see in the movie what it would have looked like if you went this way or that way. I always wonder, like, is there actually a decision that we made in our adult life as men that literally was that moment, or would we have ended up where we're supposed to be anyway, eventually, even if it's a little There are a, a couple longer? of moments. There were a couple of moments. I remember that. I told you, I've told the story a million times, but I, the first ever live pro MMA show in DC was MMAC in May of 2007. And I interviewed the guy who was the promoter for that for Bloody Elbow at the time, because it was a big deal to have that. Like, wow, there's gonna be a pro. There didn't used to be, I mean, it sounds obvious, but like there didn't used to be like MMA shows in your hometown. Like now that there are, should not be taken as a given. Like it was there, I remember that the days before that. So I interviewed the promoter. And, um, and he, you know, I remember I asked him, like, who's doing your commentary? And he was like, oh, we're missing somebody. And like, there was a thing in my brain that just told him to tell you, him you could do it. And I said it, which was a fucking lie. I've never done it before. I was absolutely terrible at it and blah, blah, blah. But I guess I wasn't terrible at it. I was okay at it. Uh, but what they, what they what the networks at the time wanted was they were looking at jujitsu like it was an absolutely foreign language. And so what they wanted was someone who could look at it and tell us, just, you just tell us. You were translating. Yeah, just tell us what the fuck this is. So I didn't need to be like uh, uh, Fernando, uh, Fabiano Busque, who's like the yes. goat. I don't have to be that. I just have to be like, hey, that's some, that's, you have that's to, triangle. You know yeah. who you should try to be? Jeff Blatnick. He was good, dude. He was really good. I, inter For, I interviewed Jeff Blatnick um, Let me just say this quickly. At, at, a at a time when we don't look back as like the golden era of MMA broadcasting by any means, it's almost barbaric to go back. The guys tried their best. Like, you know, there's some notable names that passed through there, but Bruce Beck, I liked. I liked Bruce Beck. But my whole point is, um, he he stood out even back then, Blatnick, as like being, he was, he was enjoyable. He wasn't over the top entertaining, but he was enjoyable, educational, and like you really believed it, that he knew his shit, you know? Yes. I had us. I had interviewed him in Times Square. There, the first. Do you remember? Do you, do you know what Beat the Streets is? Uh, no. Beat the Streets is this event that uh, USA Wrestling puts on, where they put on real wrestling matches between high-level guys, including other nations. Like, and it first started out as in Times Square, and now they do it in all. It's in New York, but they do it in these ways where it's like very seen and visible. It's like a big promotion for USA Wrestling. I went to the first ever one. Bubba Jenkins did a rap. There's video of that. Like he rapped like a fucking song fresh out of college. And then um, I interviewed Jeff Blatnick in person. And I asked him, it was a great interview. And I asked him like, you know, cause he comes from wrestling obviously. And I asked him like, should MMA judging ever adopt a more points based system? Ah, wow, like wrestling, like two points with a takedown or whatever. And he gave this very, very impassioned reason why it should never be that way in MMA. And you might say, of course it shouldn't be you, but you should hear his answer, yeah, his yeah. answer, the detail and the, the and, and like the and remember he was a uh, also a person who helped write some of the rules for MMA. So this yeah. is a guy who was really at the front lines of this, and he was so adamant we should never do something like that. And his answer is really. Is really it fair great. to say people like Blatnick and Big John McCarthy are like, like silent MVPs in the evolution of the sport, or is that too much praise? I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love Big John. Even if he definitely tore up like a bathroom at some point, you know, just especially in Tokyo, he won't tell us the stories, you know. You know, well, I mean, you got a a girl, a girl never kisses and tells, you know. Uh, um, What did you ask? you know, uh, about Platnick and oh, Big yeah. John McCarthy being like silent heroes in the history of, you know, because they don't probably get the credit they deserve for campaigning for the sport, right? Behind the scenes. And yeah, I don't think that they do. Educating. I mean, they did for a time, but you know, that's what I mean. People forget. Like, that's why people write shit in books, because otherwise it will just go away. Good point. Did Blatnik call a fight under the um, Zufa era? Definitely SEG. I don't know if he translated over to the Zufa era. I can't remember if he was there yeah, still. I cannot either. Some, I, of those, I, some of those U, like UFC 40s I have not seen in a long time. Um, yeah. I did recall the one time, so it was when Arlovsky fought uh, Paul Buentello, when Matt Vaskurgian was the play-by-play yes, guy. Yes, yes. Do you remember that? I remember yeah. that being like, who the fuck is this guy? Mm-hmm. I, nah, he, he's famous for doing like MLB stuff. He's honestly. good, though. Yeah, he's really good. But uh, he, he, he actually was like surprisingly good for that. I mean, you know, when you look back at the legacy of Goldie, do you miss him? He swung big. He had big moments. He wasn't for me. He had big moments, though, right? Like, did he deliver when I think he loved MMA. I think he loved MMA. It wasn't for me, though. You don't have a favorite call from him? Uh, no. No. But I'm not going to sit here and talk shit about Michael Goldberg. Like, I've had enough of that, you know. You've done enough of that? I, there was a time when, it's funny because now they really are in, like, uh, full effect. But there was a time when um, he was calling half guards certain things Turks. And they can look very similar. But they were clearly in the case, like, there, was, there was sometimes, obviously, they were Turks. But in many cases, they were not Turks. They were just half guard. And that used to irk me a bit, but, you know. You don't have to end friendships over that. Well, you know, and I certainly am no better at that job. So, it, yeah. again, once, again, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. But, uh, you know. Um, would you, I know, like, it's not realistic. You're not going to do it. But do you think you would have enjoyed being an MMA judge or referee? I still might do some of that stuff. Oh, you, you still think you can do it? Not you, refereeing, but maybe like, judging. Okay, let me ask you this question. If you went all in, not you still have a full time job, like, but I'm saying you went all in on your heart commitment to judging, to getting certified, to doing as many amateur bouts as you need. How long do you think it actually would take under most ideal circumstances? Like you are very good at it right away. They can see that. They can see the passion. How quickly could you call? Will you get your first UFC fight? You think it's like a long time? You mean like assuming the UFC is coming to town on a reasonable level? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, how quickly could you close that gap? Is it ten years or is it like two and a half years? From what I've seen from like the really good judges, I would say um, you're looking at ready for your first UFC, right? So we're not talking UFC main event necessarily. No, 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 no. no, Just, just. So I would say 
if we're talking first UFC event for the really, really good judges, I think four years, five years is probably... And that almost every weekend you're working on your craft or what? I don't know every weekend, but yes, frequently. Frequently, uh, you know, you've worked your way up from amateur to pro, pro to, you know, main event, main event to blah, 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 you know, and worked your way up and maybe did a Bellator show, something else like that. So, um, yeah, I would say like the good ones have got like right around that four to five year mark. They've got really, they're really dialed in, you know. Okay. Uh, MMA referee is definitely a job I would say it's not for everybody like it wouldn't be for me I wouldn't want that responsibility but how often do you think even really good MMA referees that have done all the big fights like are kind of overwhelmed with like anxiety about the job and are like you know I'm almost sure. dreading the the fact that like they are responsible for dude, so dude, much this, everyone talks about the job being hard and it's like okay that's 100% true but here's the fucking problem if we're going to say over and over and over and over again that MMA judging is hard, then, then I should say, why aren't we putting into practice things that allow them to make up for error like other referees and umpires do in yeah. other fucking sports? Yeah. We, this idea, like, it's the same thing with the Supreme Court. I saw this guy who, who, um, he talks about how what do other high courts look like in other countries and what models do they use. And one of the things he comes to is they, the first thing he realizes is they have a different system of rights where one right is not... I'll get to it. Hold on. One right is not alien. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I know, I know. But I saw a look on your face and it's... I had an itch right here on the back know, of my head. The point I'm trying to make is you have to figure out how to manage conflicting rights. Like what, what system do you use? And like there's this partnership system. And now I did lose what the fuck I was talking about because of your I, stupid dude, I face. I was not asking for help. I was, you know, I what was, was the very, question? I was very relaxed. What was know? the question? Oh, we were talking about judging. Yeah, about well, I'd ask it through the lens of a referee. I talked about the anxiety. Oh, referee, how much? Like how much? Like you know, is there PTSD in that? Because right, right. So here's the point: our system of law is very different. Rather than competing rights, we just look to judges with this notion that they're supposed to have like incredible like actual judgment, their ability to uh, adjudicate and to, and to think through problems in the most clairvoyant, clear-headed, rational kind of way, like they're fucking Vulcans or something, is just bullshit. Like they're, they're not those kinds of people. You certainly need trained people and competent people, but the Supreme Court's people, their judgment is no less political than anyone else's. It's no more informed in terms of being a good judge of things than anyone else's, right? So that part is whole bullshit. This is exactly the same thing with being an MMA referee. Dude, they're, gonna, they're, they're quite obviously going to get shit wrong with a fair degree of regularity. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Give them an out to the best extent possible to correct for that. Yeah. That's what we need to do. So these consequences are not so, so oh my God, you know? Are you off? I, I thought I heard in that. I thought I heard that you were offering why do we not have three officials watching a match instead of just the referee. So I know, for example... Um, like a volleyball chair, like looking in. You yes. just have one there, right? Right, you have the line judge and then the head judge in tennis, whatever the different names are. I know in racquetball, I think there's an A judge and a B judge. It's like things like that. Like There are systems in place where one is hierarchically bigger than the other one, but there's a lot of different rules going to put. It seems insane to me that we haven't done that, especially because the consequences are fucking grave in certain cases and dire. And we're like, well, they, they done goofed. Yeah, <laughs> On so to the next one. That what? is an interesting thought because even if it's just for like championship fights, think of how the playoffs in, the, in baseball, they put the extra umpires down the foul lines like just yes. to like make sure they get it right in the key moments. 
you could definitely have somebody sitting where the photo where the camera guy is on top of the cage looking in somebody um on a monitor i don't know like you just feel like there should be instant resolution on some of this stuff rather than missing it all together right there should be a process for correcting for error like and right. a better one and a better right. well some states have instant replay oh my god motherfuckers there should be so much more we're doing but that costs money and that's the other problem too like dude again i keep saying it maybe giving maybe handing the keys over to the commission was what mma needed to do to survive but holy shit man i mean they are going to drive that buick slow yeah they're not going to change anything they're not going to update the cassette player they're not going to do shit I mean, in that fucking thing. It would it be fair or unfair to frame the recent issues that hardcore MMA fans have had with the UFC matchmaking to the idea that maybe Dana is spending too much time with 20-year-old influencers at blackjack tables and not as much time with the matchmakers getting this shit to look good and feel good. Dude, we got to get we got to like we got to buy Is that unfair? Dude, we got to buy a prostitute who will then blow one of these influencers and then she'll like <laughs> she'll be, she'll wear a wire is that what you're yeah, saying yeah. yeah we'll either we'll either blackmail them to get us like i just want to be in those rooms when <laughs> when they logic it out when they kind no, of no 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 when they're just tossing money to the creators you know what i mean like yeah. here's this bag of 250k just do that just set it on fire if you want to look out like i want to be in the room so like we got to pay a hooker to blow one of these guys oh, wow okay to get us i think in that's the room. a little too graphic and intense right what's now. your wow. plan yeah <laughs> i don't see you trying to find any solutions bc yeah um you wait, wait you want to blow them yeah. oh, that's fine go blow them <laughs> wow um yeah dude i do you think it's more stress to be a boxing referee because it's more closely aligned with death unfortunately of, of a guy taking one too many you know clean punches like dude, yeah, that, dude. you gotta be you gotta be, you gotta be you gotta bear witness to savagery you know round after round of it man oh i, I read tony weeks gave his first interview and he said that... Oh, yeah, I read it, too. Yeah, he, he felt like he may have missed that the knockdown was not a clean punch. It was clearly a push. And he thought because the guy was 40, he had just been punched clean, and then he was taking, like, a couple decent shots. I mean, obviously, he's not justifying... He's not trying to, like, bail himself out. He he accepts that he probably made a mistake, but... Um, that's no, he was a little bit defiant. Yeah, a little bit defiant. He was know. a little defiant. He, he I, I, dude, I, maybe I misread it, but I thought he was saying yes. He didn't. Ha he admits he didn't have the best angle. Yeah. And then he admitted later that the punch, the punches Rolly were throwing didn't land. But he did stand by that the that he had seen, uh, what's his face, get knocked down. Um, and so he was going in with the mindset that he got knocked down. It's like, dude, how the fuck did you miss that? And if your answer is. You weren't in the right position. Well, then there's the fucking answer. What was the because, name of the guy he fought? It's just, just, um, Ismael Barroso. Barroso, that's right. Barroso. Um, I mean, Tony was really framed it as he had care and concern for a 40-year-old, and, and he basically he specifically said if it was a 25-year-old yeah, fighter, look, look what that got him. He, but so, do you think it's, it has to be connected with what Weeks was in? Why aren't we talking about pornography? <laughs> this is, why are we talking about Tony Weeks? Yeah. I like Tony Weeks. I don't want this controversy to be linked with him, right? Oh, God, that was an all-time bad stoppage, dude. I mean, they just don't come much worse than that. Yeah. He fucked that one up big. Damn, right? Yeah. <sighs> Answer the pornography question. Um, were, oh, by the way, were you into the Beastie Boys Check Your Head record when they played their own instruments and were kind of like an alternative band? <laughs> I was never a big Beastie Boys guy. 
I didn't go too. I was deep, a little bit in the early '80s. Yeah, like the the, the one. No with, sleep till Brooklyn and all that stuff. Yeah, what, girls. What's the one with the airplane on the cover? The the, the best one. Uh, uh, Paul's. Uh, no, Paul's boutique is this, the other one, which is amazing as well. This is um, license to ill. License to ill, maybe I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. But yeah. Apparently the answer is no. Yeah, I wasn't a big. I, everyone loved sabotage. I, I don't hate sabotage, but I don't like. You know, and then the, what was the other one? Intergalactic. Yeah, I mean that one is kind of catchy. But and he was like, "I'll stir fry you in my walk," and I'm like, "You won't, you won't," because I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> you okay? See, I didn't draw the line there. I went to the next one, the four boroughs. I kind of drew the line after that, but um. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I haven't gone ham on them. I've always hated the whites, BC. It really has been a long standing. <laughs> did you have any... Col- I was hating Whitey before hating Whitey was cool. Wait, did you have any connection with Colombian culture before no, meeting No, 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 nothing. Right. I knew nothing about South America in any kind of informed way until I met my wife. And even now, it's obviously quite conditional. Do you feel confident that if you flew to Colombia right now alone, you can completely navigate the entire process on your own? Yes. And you have never feared for your life? Uh, my life, no. no. The lives of those around you? No. Like, <laughs> sometimes you wonder about your property. You okay. Know, okay. But, um, but no, not my life. Never that. Dude, the, the gringos down there, man, you know, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, these people go down there and, like, my wife was telling me, like, you know, certain things, like, don't wear certain things that they just know. But you're just, you're just making, you're, you're creating your, uh, Yourself as a target, you know. She was like, don't wear fucking Birkenstock. I don't have any, but she was like, don't wear fucking sandals in Bogota. Like, don't fucking do it. And sure enough, we went by this place where like, a lot of Americans are, and there were so fucking many. Yeah. What do you think you'll step in? The Newark train station? Yeah. You'll catch that? It was like that, and it was, you know, you know, don't walk around with your phone out like that. You'll get your phone snatched. Shit like that. You know, and these fucking gringos, they just, they don't know what they're doing, dude. And they just, they think they're going to Europe, and it's like... Well, actually, that's not even true because, dude, pickpocketing in Spain is a f- epidemic. But the point I'm trying to make is, like, you know, these, these are poor people that in, in certain parts that live in South America, man. Like, and that changes the rules up a lot. And, um, you know, these are fucking hungry people, man. You, you travel like a dumbass. You're going to pay for it. Um, tra- traveling too aggressively internationally scares me. Like, my wife, at one point, we were going to, like... Fly to Costa Rica and drive two hours up the mountains and nah, like, fam. and nah. um, and she's like, you could do that fine. And I'm like, you know, I probably could pull it off, but it intimidates me still on the level that driving on the other side of the road would intimidate me too. Yeah, that I've, I don't think I've done that. I've, been, I've obviously been in a car that was on the other side, but I don't know if I've ever driven one. But dude, this is the trick to traveling. I don't know about like parts of Asia or the Middle East because it's been so long since I really did that. Any part that was reason. I mean, I haven't been to Israel in quite some time. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know about that, but like through South America, what I can say is the one key to doing it right, if you don't like have a better clue, is like just make sure before you go to a place you have some kind of organized service for whatever you want to do. So if you want to go from the hotel, excuse me, the airport to the hotel, don't wave a taxi down. I mean, again, there could be an airport where you can wave a taxi down. It's not a big deal. But if you just want to be certain about it, yeah. arrange your travel ahead of time. Go to a hotel with a concierge. Don't go to some fucking hostel where they're not going to help you or, you know, whatever. Some Airbnb where you just have to punch in the numbers and no one directs you around town. You might get shivved, too. Yeah, right? you might get fucking one of these. <laughs> oh, wow. So go, that was a little too, like, so, like you were kind of into it. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> 
So go to a place where there's a concierge. When If you want to go on a boat tour, don't go to the fucking dock and sign yeah. up. Sign up ahead of time and then meet someone there. Have, have a chaperone, essentially, for these things, and you will be fine. You will be fine. Um, Luke, what does your life look like at age 60? Oh, God. Pathetic. Oh, come on. You're just, not even Just crying it. and masturbating in the shower. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, this is... Wow. I mean, you could be a grandfather at that point. I hope I'm not a grandfather in 17 years. My daughter's only four. That's a fair point. Okay, I'm not asking for that equation to work out. But, Luke, what does it look like? Are you still doing this shit? I don't, I, don't, I don't know how that's possible, honestly. I don't know if the audience will have Dude, what if you? what if by age... 17 more years okay. of this? Is they it possible? Be for 17 more years? I don't believe that. Is it that. possible that at age 60, you could be on, like, year 15 of your return to YouTube... Your your you know whatever form or platform is the main thing, and you are back one man show. Trust don't DTA don't trust anybody. You know what I mean? Like just the Luke Thomas Express. Could be, could be. I, I mean I don't know, but who do? What the fuck is the internet gonna look like? What is media gonna look like? In you have to put on the goggles years? to watch the Luke Thomas show. In yeah, exactly. Years, so it's know? like, dude, I don't even. I, I mean, this is so, we we got into the worst industry. I mean. <laughs> Luke, I'm in the entertainment industry. I don't know what, what industry you're in. You're, you're, in the, you're in the adult entertainment <laughs> industry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, man. I want to call more fights. You know how fun calling fights yeah, is? Yeah, I know. That's what I want to do, too. Damn. Dude, they don't have many of those jobs, I've noticed. You can't just go on hotjobs.com. <laughs> I want to be a fucking... I want to call fights. There's like, there's like three of these jobs, and everyone who has them is like great at it and been there a long time. Yeah. You're like, fuck. I want to swim in that pool, though. I do. I want to swim in those checks. Even if I know you're going to piss in that pool, like just not even care, just just constantly, right? What what app would you say you use the most to watch whatever you watch the most? Like where are you spending? I, I'm, time? I don't I don't I don't like the direction that this is going. No, I'm saying uh, Netflix. Oh, uh, I thought you were talking about Paramount Plus. Films. No, 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 no. What app do I go on the most? I would say uh, Twitter. No, for for viewing things like actual entertainment. Viewing. Oh. It, uh, when I'm making the choices just myself, That's I right. would say YouTube is my number. Really? Yeah. Okay, but that uh, does it count the times that I'm listening to records, then watching on YouTube with the sound off '90s NBA basketball <laughs> games? Because that's pretty much my life at this point, okay? I don't think that counts. No. Is dude. that a sad uh, existence? That's um, a little Jesus. All right, a little bit sad. Okay, but uh, so if that doesn't count, what was the original question again? Um, what app do you use to like watch the most things? Okay, if that's not the setup, then I would guess Prime. Because they have the best music documentary selection compared to any other app. I used to subscribe to a subscription within that subscription for like even better music documentaries for yeah. like $7 a month, but then I was like, this is getting a little you know, excessive. What's the people. most expensive thing you ever bought drunk online? Oh, I've never had the excess funds to do that. I did it once. I didn't have the funds either, just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, sometimes... I mean, I had them, but I didn't... Uh, that was a bad thing, yeah. but uh, I did it, yeah. I kept it, too. It was a, um, it was a, a tiny grill, but it was expensive. It's like 200 bucks. You still, you still use it? No, it was a long time ago. You still have it though. But no, no, we I kept it for many years after that, oh, okay. but I don't have it now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you should move um, outside of the District of Columbia and like get back into the. Don't real... you go gargle your El Romero balls. <laughs> get back into the real United States. Look, what about a. In, What's not real about my neighborhood, motherfucker? Nothing. What about a... This is not... You're not running from anything. This is just a, a reintroduction of Luke to the United States, okay? You I'm not go, sure how much I want to make that. You go... You commit to three years in the Midwest. You can pick the area. Okay. But you have to take the family... You know, you can Dude, do... Dude, St. Louis is depressing. You could do Illinois out in like a Chicago and suburbs. Chicago's great. I like Chicago. Chicago. You would... You would Here's cities I would live in. Like, okay, so let's say that like I woke up tomorrow and I had twenty five million dollars in my bank account. Just okay, that's in, hold on, hold on. Know, but like seriously, like now you get to just, <coughs> now you get to just pick. No, but that's the difference because when the money gets to that level, now you're talking about the coast in California, Hawaii. Like you can do crazy shit. With okay, that I don't mean it in that way, but I just mean like here are the cities I could see myself living in if money wasn't. A tremendous issue. Okay, how about if you were doing two and a half times better than you are now? Okay, two and a half. Okay, okay. Were you okay? That's that's pretty good. That's pretty. I could live in New Orleans. I live fucking. I think New Orleans is one of America's best cities. Um, I could live in Chicago. Though it gets fucking cold, so you know we'd have to be in Cartagena for six months. But I could call it home. What about Charleston? Charleston, South Carolina, is extremely charming. I wouldn't necessarily want to live there, but it is a wonderful. Amazing. I was impressed. Place. I was really impressed by it. Um, Florida, you can just sink into the ocean. I mean, just okay, but what about the just west? Kiss your parents what goodbye. about the western side with the white sand, like no. Naples and no, that no, kind no, of no, shit? No, no. Just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it sink Too into much. the Everglades. Oh wow. wow. Um, so forget that. That's not for me. Uh, I could live in Denver. I like Denver a lot. I think Colorado is pretty special. Um, San Diego is great. Um, they say if you. If you go there, you don't ever want to live anywhere else but there for the rest of your life. Look, it's like a Where? disease that gets on you. San Diego. San Diego? I've only been there for one half day of my life, so I, yeah. I, I, I can't give you that answer, but the food's tremendous, Luke. Yeah. Like on the mom and pop diner oh, for level, sure. like just for sure. And the Marine tremendous. Corps has obviously a big presence there, which I like. <clears throat> um, and then, honestly, uh, I mean, you know, I could be persuaded into living to L.A., but I wouldn't choose it, you know, at all. You, the city, you could, I the city you where I want to live the most, where I, this has always been true, I, w I think New York City is the greatest city in the world. And I've seen some great fucking cities. I think New York City is the greatest city in the world. And uh, it's just too expensive for people like me. If you're doing two and a half times, dude, you could. If I was doing two and a half times, I could afford it. But even then, dude, like, okay, even if I, I was making two, rich at that point, but. even if I was making two and a half times what I'd be making, I'd be living nicely in New York. I would hardly be one of the wealthier people in New York. Like, yeah, far, you would, far you would pull it off, but it wouldn't be like overly glamorous. Yeah, you'd be comfortable in a, in a way that people who didn't understand the context would think, oh, he has an okay life, and then not really has any direction, pretty rich, but. That's it. Like you couldn't, you could, you couldn't live ostentatiously. I'd have to live in like you know the middle of nowhere to do that. Dude, I think um, living in Manhattan, for example, would drive would drive my stress levels like an anxiety through the roof. Nah, I love New York City. I fucking love New York City. I mean, it's like I, dude, great city. I mean, New York City is my city. I mean, I've 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 had you know I've, I've is had, it King of Connecticut? I've had a rocky relationship with it at times and didn't appreciate it or didn't know it and took it for granted. But now I, I mean, I love it. But with that said, Luke, it's a it's a wild ride. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a rough. It's a one and a half. You know what I mean? It's like you, you know when you speed up podcasts. You know what I'm saying? By the way, anybody, I have friends who are like, yeah, I listen to your podcast. One, two, you know, two times speed or whatever. I'm like, no, that doesn't mean this. Like you're not showing me respect. So I listen to us. Don't on, listen, I listen to, to us on one 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 point one. No, I I've, I've said this before and I mean it. 
if it's somebody that you care about and you listen to it on anything faster than the speed it gets delivered in, then you know that's disrespect. Just don't listen at all. All right, don't don't listen. I listen to us on one because one. you know, like there's you know, we're, there's a mood, there's a vibe. This show, you know, Dude, what you're saying? not writing speeches you can, out there. You're just jacking you can get off. high off this show if you watch it. You know, if you watch it the right way. You know what I'm saying, Luke? And you know, we want to put our hands through the screen and massage our audience in a way, like in a way, right? And you know, just take them on the roller coaster ride of emotions through the ups and downs, the highs and lows of men, the growth, right? That's what our documentary series used to provide, that glimpse. But I think all that's dead. <laughs> I mean, Jake, where's documentary number eight? What are we on, eight, Luke? Where, where is it, Jake, you know? Who cares? They, were, they did like five people watched them. Okay, but they were, they were tremendous, right? They, they were, were tremendous. They were art. They, there was, true or false, there was, there was some art there. There was some art there. Yeah. <laughs> but they had to cut, like, I had a couple of great lines that never saw the light of day. Yeah, yeah they, they were, were a little rough. aggressive. They were. You they were, were fucking great. Yeah. Uh, we got to call it a day. No, but you do you look back on that series and say, you know what? I certainly made it better, but you know, did I consistently bring my A game every episode? Dude, no I don't care about bringing my A game to that shit stack for five <laughs> seconds. Well, there's certainly times when you not providing, um, like when you don't sell for it, that it's just perfect. But there's definitely some of those docs I remember where you're just like, yo, fuck this, I'm not. Like you were like, you Nate Diaz that shit. You totally were like counterculture, fuck you. You know what I mean? You're yeah, like, made for great material. You're like, die, you know? Hey, and let's see your phone case. Is it the, is it the Metallica cover? Love? No, no, no. This does make me think of Jimi Hendrix though, every time I see it. You know, it's kind of like a monster. Was the cover of Load, was it Blood and Semen? Serious question. Um, I hope not. Right? I hope not. Load. That's... <laughs> What was that? What was that? blood in there. <laughs> well, you know, the more I think about it, like Metallica's amazing. The Prime Run is amazing. Dude, I have had, you know, like anybody else, like stretches of time in my musical fandom with certain albums like Appetite, or not Appetite, like um, And Justice for All, I'm sorry. Um, but they're kind of lame, especially the older they get. Yeah, dude. I you mean, know what I mean? They're kind of lame. Metallica used to be like, dude, they, I used to love Metallica. They were fucked, even through my 20s. They were still maybe my favorite band uh, ever, and then I got like older. not as lame as Kiss, by the way, but kind of lame. I, dude, I think people who like Kiss just <laughs> shoot them into a rocket and never like leave Earth. And I actually know people uh, that care about that love Kiss, and it's you like, have dude, to like juggle to that. To me, it's you know? a litmus test. Like if you like Kiss, you don't deserve life. That's I mean, just... how far away is Kiss from ICP? <clears throat> I mean, really, right? I mean, just. just... Dude, juggalos of a different era is what they are. Just fucking juggalos. You're right, generations. Just generational just... juggalos. We paint our face, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Kiss has the worst music ever made. Suck a fat dick. What's the baddest thing? I don't know. Beth is kind of a jam, though, right? But what I would say is, what I would say is Metallica, they just turned into... Like, they just turned into fucking dad rock. It just got, I don't know, it got a little goofy. I, I kind of checked out. Do you like um, Master of Puppets better than Injustice for All? I think the best Metallica album is Master of Puppets, yes. Okay. I yeah. like that you said that. And I know that there's a lot of people that will stay Kill Em All, but even the... I, Kill Em All is I, the rawest. That can't be your favorite. Yeah, that can't be like the... It's not the but best. But there are movie. people that will say that. Like, Master of Puppets was them, absolutely. I think Pound for Pound, Master of Puppets is the best, but I think And Justice for All has high, just some high moments. And Justice for All was just such a fuck you record. Yeah, Shortest Straw, dude, that thing. Yeah. yeah. Harvester of Sorrow. Yeah. Oh, Harvester yeah. of Sorrow bangs. Dude, that whole album bangs. People don't... 
Do people put it in like the back in black conversation where it's like start to finish, no filler? They, like put, just... they put the black album for Metallica in that, which <clears throat> yeah. is to me not fair because that's when they really begin to be something else. Yeah, you got to right. call it a day, dude, because I got to right. call my kid. You know, I, I could do a, um, a living podcast if you want, 24 7. You need to figure out, even though I've gone 0 and 5 twice on OK Bet, you need to figure out what concert you're going to. That's what you need Yo, to figure out. Yo, I got a lot of time to get back into this, all right? But I'm out of here, Luke. Uh, say goodbye. Right. Oh, there's the wipe I was looking for. All right. Bye. Later. Hey, I need my microphone, dick. <laughs>